Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Welcome listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hello. Later on in this episode, we are continuing our mini-series on sobriety and recovery. So this week, excited. So excited. This week, the middle part of my story, part two. So it's like Jamie 2.2. <laughs> the middle. Uh, first, we would like to part invite part. you. Sorry, sweetheart. The middle part, part two. <laughs> the middle part, part two. It's very clear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because last week was middle part, part one. Right, 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 right. But we didn't finish. That's right. So, part two. Can't wait. We would like to invite you, dear listener, to support our work. You may do so at misfitstars.com slash support. Thank you. That's it. Keeping it short this week. It's the whole spiel. Mm -hmm. I love it. Announcements. Do we have announcements? Announcements. 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 That was nice. It was, yeah. I'm feeling jaunty today. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are very few announcements today. The first announcement is kind of an ongoing announcement, Mm -hmm. and that is that the album 202101 is out in the world. Please stream it wherever you listen to music. Don't forget to add it to your playlists. So you don't even have to think about putting it on. It'll just pop up in your playlist and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, I like this song from 2020-101. Good idea. Yeah, so, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen, go stream it and uh, click that little heart button or the add button or whatever it is to add it to your playlist and then just continue enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, please Thanks. do that. Please Thank do you. that. Thank you very much. Uh, and then the second, the second announcement. Personal songs. Uh, you can hire Shannon Curtis, this same <gasps> Shannon Curtis that's on this podcast. Me? Yeah, you. Is it me? It's you. <laughs> to write a song to give as a gift to a loved one. And this song that you hire Shannon to write will have in it all of your feelings and thoughts about this special person. And, and your, your stories with them. Yeah, exactly. The situation in your life. It's a magical thing. We're going to share a personal song with you later in this episode as part of our ongoing personal song spotlight series. The one that we're sharing with you this week is so special. It's very ooey gooey. I like it. It, it is. It's kind of, it's one that I did several years ago, actually, but I pulled it, I went into the Wayback Machine to pull it in for the spotlight series because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh, we've got spots to do 10 personal songs this personal song season. Just book another one yesterday. They're just, filling up, people. They're filling up. So I've got five spots left of those 10. And if you would like to do a personal song for somebody or some somebodies in your life, like last week's song that we spotlighted was uh, from a woman. Spotlit? Spotlit? Spotlighted? spotlighted. I don't know. Uh, but the last week's song uh, was from a woman. Uh, she gave it to her three daughters and their father. Yeah. So like it was for her whole family. It doesn't have to be just for like your romantic partner. It can be for any person you love in your life. Yeah. And you know what? Another another spin on the personal song thing, which I'll actually talk about a little bit more next week because next week's song sort of pertains to this. But like in some situations, I've done personal songs where a number of people contribute to the stories and thoughts and feelings about a person. So like people team up. We call that the dog pile. <laughs> no, we don't. No, it's true. We don't, <laughs> we, don't, we don't call it that. That would be bad. Yeah. That's not like really like romantic marketing. It, no, no, no. So anyway, uh, personal songs, we're going to highlight one this, uh, spotlight one this, this episode and can't wait to share it with you. But if you want information about doing a personal song for somebody, uh, now through December 15th is personal song season. This is when I've got the time to do these projects. So just send me an email, mm-hmm. Shannon at MisfitStars.com, and I will send you all the info about how it works, what the process is. I've done like over 90 of these yeah. in the last 10 years. So I've got this process down, Pat. You don't have to worry about a thing. I will walk you through it, hold your hand, 
and make it all feel great. You don't have to write poetically. Like you don't no. have to be good at writing or good at like expressing things in a poetic way. No. That's Shannon's job. Yeah. And she walks you through getting out of you the stuff that she needs to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of these things is like the most authentic representation of your experience, of your feelings makes for the most beautiful songs. Yeah. Like those are the meaningful songs and you don't have to write like a poet to 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 communicate those things. You just need to be you. So I'm going to give you all the opportunities to just express yourself in your most authentic way about the person you're writing the song for or I'm writing the song for. And I will hold your hand through the whole thing and it's going to be so fun. So send me an email if you're interested. I'll tell you the pricing, the different project options we have, all that kind of good stuff. Um, Shannon at MisfitStars.com. Yeah. Yeah. Good. How are you feeling, sweetheart? I feel good. I feel a little bit silly right now. Great. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do. Wonderful. Um, I feel good. You know, I woke up this morning with, uh, you know, a, a, a list of things that I'm like, okay, I've got to do this. 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 But those, that list of things that's like, you know, ahead of me to like accomplish didn't feel overwhelming hmm. or... Um, it kind of felt excited and like, oh, I get to do this and then I get to do this. Projects. Yeah, you know? And like, so some of it's just like hands-on project stuff. Like I, today, one of the things I'm going to do is um, start packaging up all of the CD orders that we've gotten from people ordering 202101 CDs and the remix album, I'm sending a bunch of free copies out to our Misfit Stars community because mm -hmm. you get free benefits like that when mm. you're a member. Mm. Um and so, I, like, I love doing that. I love, like, little tedious tasks like that. So, like, yeah. I'm, like, looking forward to that. But then some of the other things on my list involve, like, learning some new things in terms of, like, um, how to use various internet functionalities to, like, promote our music and stuff like that, which I'm interested in doing. Have you know, fun. like, yeah, like, it's just, I'm kind of eager to learn. And so that's going to be fun. Good. Um, so I just, I feel good. I feel good. How about you? What, how are you feeling? I feel good too. Uh, I feel motivated. Uh, I feel happy. Everything seems good. We took some time off this last week and mm. it, it really did good things. I just feel like I had some time off, which is good. We're, we're being yeah. better about that and I'm pleased about that. Well, I bet that that's probably part of why I feel so great today about doing my list yeah. because I've had time to recuperate from all the craziness of getting the album out and the live show and all that kind of totally. stuff. Totally. Yeah. Hey, let's fire up the good news machine. Oh, great. Let's do that. I'm very excited. Uh, let's see. What's my good news? What do you have? What My good news. Okay, here's my good news. Um, last week, it was news from last week. You maybe have seen it in the news, but uh, there are some scientists at the Cleveland Clinic mm -hmm. that say that they have made progress toward a vaccine that would prevent a deadly form of breast cancer. Wow. And I read the article about this. It was so encouraging. I was I'm particularly interested in breast cancer news because we have a lot of friends who uh, who are people with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we met a lot of people in uh, an activist community, uh, people who act who are people who do activism in order to raise money for or try, try to get the government to put more money toward uh, breast cancer research because breast cancer in our country, as you may have heard, 
month of October is all about breast cancer awareness, yeah, right? Man, like it's we're, all, we're aware. We're aware. But, you know... We, what we need is breast cancer cure month. Has anyone thought of that? Well, because the, the thing is that people, a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that breast cancer still kills a lot of people every year. Like, yeah. It's like a, a, a nearly 200 people a day um, that, that die from breast cancer. We consider this, you know... They, they do the, the parades and the pink dress up and the, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it seems like it's like this, like a club <laughs> if you're a person that's had breast cancer and they, they, you know, have this, you know, and I'm all for bringing joy to whatever circumstance that you're advocating for, right? That's very important. But this does seem like uh, something that has been, they call it pink washing, you yeah. know, like sort of like making it sound like, oh, breast cancer is the easy cancer. And the fact of the matter is that people die. All the time from breast cancer. Yeah. Their metastatic breast cancer is a killer. Yeah. And very, very little, uh, a very, very little percentage of the funding that is raised for breast cancer awareness goes to actually funding research to find cures for the deadly kind of breast cancer. So that's why this news was so exciting. There's this, uh, this kind of breast cancer that's triple negative uh, breast cancer that's really hard to treat because it doesn't, it's negative for all these markers that mm -hmm. they usually, there's like three different markers so on breast cancer. So it flies under the radar. It does. So, they, so it's been really a difficult kind of cancer to treat. But this uh, advancement that they're making seems that they're on track for a vaccine that they could administer to somebody who's newly diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer that would actually help the body fight it and potentially beat it. That's enormously good news. Yes, it is. Um, like, I want to say that, that uh, uh, gosh, it was last week when I read the article, but it was a pretty big number of people who have metastatic breast cancer have triple negative. It's right. like, a, like a, maybe 20 or 25% mm -hmm. of people who have uh, a deadly form of breast cancer have this kind. Makes so, sense because it goes longer before being detective has d d detected and has more chance to like get other places. Right. So anyway, it's very exciting news. Um, and I mean, this, the vaccine's not ready yet, but they're making progress. So that was great news. How about you? What's your good news machine? Uh, there's some great COVID Vaccine-related news. Let's hear it. So, first of all, uh, the FDA has approved the COVID vaccine for kids. That's awesome. And CDC approval should come soon. And indeed, vaccine doses for kids are already on their way to pediatricians. And that is a big deal. So, this is for the 5 to 11 set. This is for... Uh, all, yeah. all the little people. And oh my gosh, they need it. That's great. You know, Did you know that COVID is currently the number eight killer uh, nationwide of children ages five to 11? Whoa. The number what killer? Number eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's- It's in the top 10. Good. It's a big deal, hmm. you know? And so that's, uh, that's really important. You know, uh, as we are recording this on Tuesday, uh, like just moments ago, the CDC- officially gave their recommendation hey, great. for the children's vaccine. And so they, they should be signing off on it. They expect it within hours. So, so like literally jabs in arms tomorrow. By the time this podcast is airing tomorrow, it's possible that that kids could start getting vaccinated. That's such Let's great news. Let's jab those little fuckers. <laughs> so, uh, so the second piece of good news, also COVID-related, 80% of U.S. adults have now received at least one vaccine dose. I was astonished. Despite our best efforts as a country. I was astonished. Yeah. At that number, when and, I read it last night. And 70% of adults are fully vaccinated. That's so great. Which also means that there's like 10% of people who have gotten their first but not second dose, like, which well, means that's accelerating really rapidly. That's good. And surely it's because of uh, companies like proactively doing vaccine mandates, getting out ahead of the federal government's vaccine mandate, uh -huh. which is going to be coming down the pipe any day now. Yeah. So hopefully by flu season, we'll have a whole ton of people actually vaccinated. I know. 
It's so good. Get vaccinated, you dumb fucks. <laughs> Seriously. You if anyone's have... listening to my voice and you have not yet gotten a vaccine, it's time. you're a dumb fuck. It's... I don't like mean that like in a negative or personal way. I just mean you're a dumb fuck. <laughs> How do you mean it then? In the nicest possible sense of that word. <laughs> like tousling their hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But being like, ah, you dumb fuck. I know. Okay. Giving so, them a noogie. Friendly, but go get jabbed, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, th- I, I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago in which they were like, well, there's a lot of controversy. I'm like, no, there's not. There's no controversy around this. <laughs> we don't need to get into a whole vaccine thing, but, The you controversy know. is, how is it possible for one person to be so stupid? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to okay, know. Okay, it's not, but also, it's not just about stupidity, right? Because there's a ton of disinformation and there's a ton of disinformation that is tied to political tribalism and sure. political identity and it's awful yeah. and it's it's devious and it's yeah. horrible, but it's not just about stupidity either. Not all the time. It's about people's people having chosen a side and the very irresponsible leaders of their side being like, well, you know, we've got doubts about these vaccines. Like just for, sure. for purely making for purely for 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 people to maintain positions of power mm-hmm. telling folks lies to sow division and sow chaos and sow different disinformation it's just it's cynical and it's awful but it's not purely about just not having the brain cells to actually do the right thing no you're absolutely right about that uh but you know when i when i say that someone in that situation is being stupid like first of all there's definitely different groups of people some people like do not have the intellectual firepower to process anything beyond what's just kind of being spoon-fed to them yeah and that's fine you know uh there are a lot of people who are kind of you know in that position i feel for them i really do there's also a whole lot of people who are very very smart and have a whole lot of intellectual firepower and who are doing this willfully and that's stupid. Well, I know, but it's based on like a whole big old campaign that is being funded by like secret dark money groups that want to continue to sow this kind of political division in our country and sow this kind of chaos because it benefits them. Chaos is the environment in which authoritarianism can take root, mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing. Like, true. So, like it, but none of this absolves people of I'm their not, personal responsibility. I am not saying that at all. It, obviously, every single one of us needs to be doing the right thing the right thing in terms of keeping each other safe and doing what is socially appropriate. Like, this is what we do. We don't have polio because we all got vaccines for polio. Smallpox has been eradicated as a virus worldwide because we all got the vaccines. You know, mm. like, <laughs> it is it is the right thing to do. There is no controversy around it. Scientists have been working so hard on this for the last year and a half. Like, they're on top of it. They've given us a vaccine that's, this is how we're going to get out of this pandemic. And it does, you're absolutely right. It doesn't absolve anybody's personal responsibility if they've been fed disinformation. I don't but- just mean personal responsibility in terms of taking the vaccine. I mean a larger, broader personal responsibility, getting back to the thing you were just talking uh-huh. about, in terms of media literacy and being responsible about oh, yeah. what you consume sure. and how you vet your information sources. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. There are plenty of perfectly smart people in both of our lives who willfully choose not to be media literate and not to consume you know, news from a variety of sources right. and figure out where the truth is in the middle of all that. That's right. the responsible way to consume news. Yeah. Consuming single source partisan news sources. That happen to align with what makes you feel good yeah. about your worldview. Mm. Yeah. That's not, that's not it. That's, that's not it. That's stupid. When you're doing that, that's stupid. <laughs> that's and so when I said stupid, that's what I meant. Okay. Fair? Fair, sure. Great. Mm -hmm. But Uh, that's great news about the vaccine. Yes, good news. I was astonished that there was, 
80% of, of American adults had had at least one shot. That felt really encouraging to me. Highly. Very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what adventures did we get into over this last week? Honestly, not a lot because we were resting. Yeah. We got into Squid Game. That's it. Holy shit. We watched half of Squid Game. Yeah. Can't wait to watch the second half. Wow. Man, like South Korean filmmakers just have a special thing happening right now. Yes. I love watching South Korean filmmaking. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, there have been a, a, some standouts. I mean, the movie Parasite from Bong Joon-ho from mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. It's maybe the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Maybe so. We watched an amazing movie about something happening on a train. The Train to Busan. That's right. Mm-hmm. Holy hell, that was it's also It's a zombie amazing. movie, yes. but like, you know, was that the zombie movie? Yes. Yes, it was. It was. That's right. <laughs> yeah. anyway, but it's but, all social commentary stuff. That's what makes it all so you know, powerful. That's the thing. And I am not a horror fan. Like, no. I do not like, I mean, when we're scrolling for movies and you're like, oh, look at this one. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Like, Honestly, I'd, like, people, I haven't gotten to watch a horror movie uh, in like 15 years. Sorry. But if it's South Korean horror, <laughs> it's yeah. a different story. But here's, there is, because there's, there are, Horror elements to this. Like Squid Game is a very violent, like bloody show. Mm-hmm. Parasite, there was some really violent, bloody parts to it, mm-hmm. you know, like like overtly so. Yeah. Like it's not disguised or even stylized, really. No. Like it's pretty it's just blunt. blunt. Yeah. But here's the difference for me. Like the every 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 single use of violence in Squid Game or Parasite, like it is meaningful. It's not um it's not just uh, for the for for the blood guts and gore aspect of it. It is it, it's purposeful. It is part of the message because like these these this ga- the Squid Games show and Parasite like there's really incisive social commentary happening here and yeah. like the use of the shock of violence in getting the message across is very effective. Yes. Like it. It, 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 it because honestly, the stuff they're talking about is violent. Capitalism is violent. Well, yeah. and the metaphor is much more uh, accurate and and better taken on board if the level of violence is commensurate, like physically, well, with like the conceptual violence that capitalism is doing to yeah, us. Yeah, I feel like yeah, like what it feel what it feels like it does to me for me is it really bluntly illustrates the stakes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like when we're when you're when you're faced with like this violent life and death kind of, you know, stuff that is in like Squid Game or Parasite. Like it it does something in you as a viewer where you really viscerally understand the stakes of the message they're trying to get across. And it's very powerful. So like for me, I can I can take the the horror aspect of these shows with a, when, when it's serving a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and it really does serve a purpose here. These, these, uh, the Squid Game, wow, just like really incredible, like exploring the idea of like, they say that they're part of a democracy and that there's equality happening here and yet they're still fighting for their, their, their actual lives. Yeah, like it's, right. Really remarkable. Um, the illusion so, of agency in, a, in the context of a system that robs you of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. So, so powerful. Really do recommend it. I was on the fence about it because it's been all over social media. You know, I'm like, oh, it's the hot new thing. It's actually really good. It's like wonderful. It's, it's as good as people have said it was. And recommendation. Watch it uh, in, like with the characters speaking in Korean with uh, subtitles. In English, Not yeah. closed captioning subtitles, just English subtitles. Yeah. So you don't get all the annoying music plays in background. Right. Because you know, that can be really distracting. Just, it can be too much information. It's just a translation. Yeah, it's just a translation. English dub. Yeah, it's, that, that's a great way English to English sub, not, not dub. dub. Right, English sub, not dub. Exactly. Because then you get the original... 
um, inflection, voice inflections and sort of like emotive, you know, speech of yeah. the of the actors in the original Korean. And honestly, and like great. Korean is one of the most emotive languages it's very out there. Expressive. It's so expressive, and to hear that emotion is just really powerful. Yeah. What do you think? Personal song spotlight. Oh yeah, let's do it. Great, let's do it. So excited. Okay, so this week's spotlight. We're already on week six. Wow, Amazing. how exciting! Um, I kind of went into the wayback machine a little bit for this one. Uh, it's a song I wrote in 2016 for a woman to give to her fiance and. And I believe that they actually used this song as the first dance at their wedding. I love that. Isn't that sweet? You and I have been part of a whole lot of people's weddings. Yeah. And it's really great. It's pretty awesome. Um, So, you know, the way that I do these personal songs is I send... um, I send you a, a list of questions, getting you writing stories, thoughts, feelings, memories about the person that the song is for. And I did this for this woman. Um, And she gave me her stories back. She... Uh, just quoting from her notes, she said here, we were both freshly separated from our ex-wife, ex-husband. Mm-hmm. So each of them had had a previous relationship. Both had been trying for the last year to put the pieces together and were unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I have rules not to meet anyone at a bar. I don't give out my phone number. I don't kiss on the first date. And I certainly don't date randoms. <laughs> he was my first random ever. <laughs> And so she went on to describe in more of her notes how, you know, she had, uh, she had described to me that she had made all these like rules for herself. Um, and uh, the ones I just described and others that she just kind of had like a set of rules about dating because she'd been hurt before in past relationships and she was, she didn't want to get hurt again. So yeah. she had made all these like, you know, rules that she invented that she thought would help keep her from getting hurt. But as she described in, you know, getting to know this guy after meeting him, um, that these rules that she had put in place, yeah, they were maybe keeping her safe from bad stuff, from scary stuff, but they were also keeping her from a potentially really good thing with this guy that was pretty impressive to her over a series of months after they first met. And so she realized that at a certain point, she was going to have to break her own rules in order to give herself a shot at something good with this guy. And so um, it was, this is one of those songs where I read through her notes and like, I immediately knew what the theme of the song, I knew what the hook of the chorus was going to be. I knew the title. I knew it all. Like it just kind of like came in a flash when I read. So this is their song. It is called Breaking All the Rules. I've been walking a broken path and here 
Shannon Curtis classic. <laughs> that one stands up though. I love, I, I, that's why I brought this one back in from, from several years ago because it's just t- still stands up as one of my favorites. Like it just came together. I wish I could have seen them dancing at their wedding together. I know. I know. Well, that's a great story and I think that you managed to really encapsulate it. Thank you. People, you can leverage this secret weapon in your own relationship. But like, it's a good weapon. Like not a negative <laughs> weapon, you know what I mean? But seriously, like if you want to give your loved one the most romantic, best uh, Christmas gift of all time uh, or whatever holiday you celebrate seasonally, this is kind of the best one. It's also not just for romance. True. Like it's just for like wanting to like just encapsulate an important relationship. Absolutely. You know, and it's your song. Like, you know, it doesn't have give, to be Give for... a song to your daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Daughters, give a song to your mom. We yeah. have done personal songs describing both of those situations in the last 12 months. Yep. It's uh, just a great way to show somebody that you really care about them. Yeah. In a hum-alongable way. A hum-along, sing-alongable way. Yeah. And one that just doesn't, like, it doesn't break. It doesn't fade. It's not a gift that you can, like, lose. You True. know what I mean? Like it's it's something that will last literally forever. Yeah. Like I I don't know if there's a whole lot of other things that can that you can say that about in terms of like a gift that you would give someone. Intellectual property. It's really the best gift. <laughs> How awesome was it How effectively I managed to suck Every bit of romance out of it with two words You are not in charge of marketing this anymore (laughs) Yeah 
the legal team at Shannon Curtis Inc. wants to talk to you about oh receiving gosh. your own gift of intellectual property oh. for this gift giving season. Pretty soon you're going to be like selling me on NFTs and crypto. So you should just stop right? while you're ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden this is a Bitcoin podcast. What the fuck? No, no. Okay. What we're actually going to do is we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to jump back into Jamie's sobriety story. The middle part, part two. Yeah. <laughs> if that's, you know, clear enough. Yeah. Uh, but Catchy. I'm very excited about that. Uh, and to sum up the personal song thing too, if you do want me to help you do this for someone you care about this holiday season, just email me, Shannon at MisfitStars.com and I'll send you the info. But real quick break, back with sobriety talk. Can't wait. Back in a sec. <laughs> See you soon. to see you there. Same. All right. So, uh, Jamie, sobriety, middle part, 2.2. That's you. That's you. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So when we left our hero, that's me, last week, uh, I mean, you can be the hero too. Right sure. now I'm okay. the hero. No, that's fine. So I mean, I, you weren't doing like super heroic things in last week's episode. So no, like. I was like an anti-hero last <laughs> yeah. week for sure. But when we left my story off last week, I had just gotten tricked into going to my first A meeting. Yeah. Right? And we should say, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, mm. that is like all the context for this week's episode. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes that highlighted part one of Jamie's story, you can go back and listen to that. That's the origin story episode for Jamie a couple weeks back. If you go to misfitstars.com slash listen, you can just peruse all the episodes. But I really do recommend getting caught up on those earlier episodes Mm -hmm. before hitting this one because this one will make a whole lot more sense. Yes. If you do that. Absolutely. So uh, You've gotten tricked into going to an AA meeting. I got got tricked. You know, I didn't want to go to an AA meeting, but I did want... (laughs) Food. You wanted brunch. Yeah. I uh, like a lot of mammals and food motivated. And my uh, sort of on again, off again at the time girlfriend, uh, you know, had sort of taken pity on me. She had gotten sober a couple weeks prior and she had come and found me at the warehouse where I was sort of crashing sometimes and said that, you know, if I needed a shower and a meal, I could come to her house. So I did that. We woke up the next morning. It was a Sunday morning. It was June 20th, 2004. And I, you know, didn't really have a plan for the day other than getting messed up, you know. Hmm. But she said that she now goes to AA meetings. You know, she's like, I go to AA meetings now on Sundays. If you'd like to come with me, I will buy you brunch afterwards. And I am food motivated, so I went. (laughs) And, you know, I did not expect this to happen, but when they did the thing right at the beginning of the meeting where they asked newcomers to identify themselves, Mm -hmm. I raised my hand and Mm -hmm. I identified myself as an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, like identifying myself as an alcoholic wasn't hard to do. I knew I was an alcoholic. I had known for years. I just didn't think I could do anything about it. Right. But raising my hand in this meeting full of supportive people all of a sudden seemed like a thing I could do about it. And I hadn't seen that before. I hadn't felt that before. This this feeling that maybe there was a way out of this other than death. Mm. That's kind of the path I presumed I was on was Mm. just getting worse and worse and worse until I crash landed the plane to the side of a mountain and that would be that, Yeah. you know? Uh, But I raised my hand. I raised my hand as a newcomer and it set me off on this adventure Mm -hmm. that I have been on now for the last like 17 years and like, you know, a little over four months, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is 
remarkable. It's certainly the longest I've ever stuck with anything in my life. (laughs) You know, it's very, it's very, very interesting. I've been sober now longer by a couple of years than I was drinking. I drank from age like, or by a year. I I drank from age like 15 to age 31. And, but I've been so, and that's like 16 years, but I've been sober for 17 years. I hadn't even considered that. I know. It's interesting to think about. And you know, I talked, we, last week's episode was super, super long. And I talked a whole lot about the time leading right up to this hinge point. So I thought it would be really productive this week between talking about, you know, what it was like. Yeah. And then moving into the what happened phase, uh-huh. just to spend some time today talking about definitions of a few things, just some foundational descriptions and definitions about when I talk about sobriety related stuff, yeah. this is what it means. Okay. Because there's just some stuff stuff that I think that we just throw around as terms that people might be like, wait, what does that actually mean? You know? And so I just wanted to talk about some of those things. That sounds great. The first one is this whole idea of a higher power, right? Oh, yeah. Because the word God, it's in there, people. And like, if you're like me, like a dyed-in-the-wool atheist with with extreme suspicion of anything remotely smelling like organized religion, yeah. you hear the word God and you're like, well, wait one minute. And that's one of the first things you hear when you go to an AA meeting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's stuff that sounds a lot like there's serenity prayer. They say, we're going to do the serenity prayer. Literally like the first thing you do at the beginning of the first meeting I went to, every meeting you're at is like, let's pray. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a stealth church. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a pyramid scheme. What's going on here? I was like, uh, you know. That there's a lot of people for whom that's a real like huge like five alarm yeah. fire feeling like lots of alarm bells going off lots of warning signs. It was for me too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it turns out that the basic short version of this story is that AA was designed back in the day, which is about a hundred years ago now, mm. uh, by a couple of by by two people. Uh, one of them was. Uh, was an atheist, and one of them was a Christian. Mm -hmm. But they decided together that it would be smart to structure it along spiritual principles because they both had an understanding together that there was a spiritual force at work in their lives Mm. that was helping them with this. But it wasn't like God reaching down with a magic wand or whatever the fuck God does. I haven't read the Bible. I don't know. (laughs) You know? But let's say that it's God with a magic wand. It's not that, right? Right. It is just the idea that... People with addiction problems have a hole inside of them that they are trying, they have a, a, a sickness inside of them, a problem inside mm. of them that they are trying to self-medicate. They're trying to cure it themselves by mm. finding something that fits that the shape and size of their hole that they have inside them. Mm. And what fills that hole is different for everybody. That's why there's so many different addictive behaviors, mm-hmm. you know? Like for me, it was alcohol and then if I was drinking, also drugs. I never really did drugs without alcohol, mm. you know? Uh, so I identify primarily as an as an alcoholic, even mm. though I... Also did drugs. All, all of the time, yeah. Um, it was just an accelerant for me, right, you know? But right. as soon as I stopped drinking, I didn't crave drugs at all, you know? It's just the, the alcohol was the way in. Mm. So that's what filled the my hole to, to, to its particular specifications. Mm. But there's other people who are like, alcohol doesn't do a thing for them. It doesn't help them at all, but meth does. Or for there's other people for whom, like, none of the things I've named fits that their size and shape of their problem, their hole at all. But you know what does sex or food or Or gambling or unhealthy relationships or you know codependency manipulating other people's emotions or pot or I mean name it sugar there's there's literally an AA group for sugar it's called you know there's so many but it strikes me that like all of those things are things that a person is 
using to try to control yeah. stuff in their lives and becoming increasingly out of control in their lives. Yeah. And like the idea of like being in control is kind of a God complex. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like the idea of like needing a higher power to be involved in the equation gets you the person who's wanting to get sober or, be, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, become recovered or mm-hmm. be in recovery to get out of the God seat, to get out of the control seat. It's just the Does idea. Does that make sense? It's just the idea that you're not driving the bus. You're not in control. Yeah. Of this thing. That's it. You're not in control. No, not one of us is in control of what happens in our lives. We have varying yes. degrees of, of illusion about that, you well, know? And I think control about what happens in our lives is different from the idea of having agency in our lives. Because yes. we do have agency over things. Like are, there are things over which we do have agency. Many. But like the circumstances of our lives, what happens to us yeah. is very much out of our control. Yeah. yeah, like you know, there's you'll you'll see all these alpha male types out in the world being like, oh, not me. I I am in control. I'm a self-made man. I I control everything. And I, you know, you just gotta work harder. Blah blah blah. And then they'll get cancer. You know what I mean? Right. Well, how in control are you now, man? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like there's just stuff that happens in life. It's just that some of us are lucky enough to have like very tangible mm. like reminders of that earlier on in our lives. You know, mm. I feel very grateful that I had this like flashing red light in my life to alert me to the fact that I actually didn't control, can't really control anything because I was able to like disabuse myself very early on of that notion, you know, Mm. that like when I was 31, that's like when Mm. that reckoning kind of happened for me and that's great because like I know people, I have a lot of people I know in my life right now who are in their 60s, who are in their 70s, who have had a drinking problem, who have had a control problem. Yeah. Like they've had this unfixed thing inside of them that they have been just stringing along because they've figured out something that fixes it enough or temporarily temporarily yeah. day by day and they've been miserable their entire lives yeah. and they will probably die like that yeah. and I don't have to die like that because like yeah. I kind of got an opportunity to change it you know yeah. so the higher power thing it, like if you're considering sobriety but like the higher power thing like freaks you out don't let it freak you out it's just a placeholder think of it as a placeholder mm-hmm. it is the idea that we are not in charge but that something in the universe that is uh, bigger than us like is in charge and it's not even in charge in an active way like yeah. something has a master plan it's just that whatever the plan is we're not the ones in charge of it yeah call it randomness I mean yeah. honestly a lot of things that happen to us in our lives are just seemingly random mm. cancer etc you know mm-hmm. what I mean there's no reason that people right. that good people get cancer or bad people get cancer right. it's not a moral judgment on who you are or how you've yeah. acted it's just kind of random yep. you know what I mean totally and so like just think of the higher power thing like that it's the idea of randomness it's the idea that no one of us is 100% in control of our lives and that we need it's healthy for us to acknowledge that because then we can relinquish the need that we perceive to try to control stuff right. and to try to control everything because that's what's unhealthy yeah. is trying to control stuff when you can't. Exactly. And that's the thing that like when you think you have control over it and you do these behaviors that perpetuate the out of control nature of your life, like that's that's how the downward spiral happens. No, yeah. I'm going to keep controlling it with this thing and then it gets more out of control and then you have to control more and then it's just... It's the worst. That's how we get deep into our diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. 
so there, that's the whole higher power thing. Don't <laughs> let it freak you out. It freaked me out, so I want just to yeah. share that with anyone who's listening so it doesn't have to freak you out. You know, everyone in the program just understand it's a placeholder. And that said, like, if you're going to AA, like, in a religious community, it can be a religious thing, too. Like, there are definitely, like, groups that I have been to well, where the, the people, like, the, the God that they talk about is a white hair guy with a magic wand. Again, I'm not sure on the specifics. But, <laughs> it sounds like Gandalf, actually, yeah. what you just described. But no, but I think that that's the point. It's like it's very explicit in the literature in 12-step recovery yeah. that it is up to each individual person to decide what that is for them. Yeah. It is not prescribed by a system. It is... It, it is the, a God of your own understanding. That literally, is up to me. Literally, to the, you. the word God in the big book, the big book is just like our text. It's a book. It's relatively big. Uh, <laughs> and the word God is almost always in that book for the entirety of the book, followed with a comma and the phrase, as we understood him, comma. God, right. comma, as we understood him, comma. It always refers back to yeah. that idea that it's not capital G, God. It's just Whatever you whatever you think of, whatever your way of coming to grips is with the idea that you're not the one who's in control of everything. That's what God is. Yeah. That's all it means. Yeah. That's all it means. Yeah. So there's that. The second concept that I just want to kind of talk about here in this hinge section mm. is uh, I want to talk about the difference between abstinence and sobriety. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> yeah, right? So glad. A common misconception. Can you define each of those things? I'm about to. Okay, great. Yes. A common misconception is is that stopping drinking is sobriety and that if you are no longer drinking, you are sober. <laughs> it could not be further from the truth. Yeah. That's abstinence. Abstinence is when you stop doing the thing. Right, And you can abstain from a bunch of things. Like you can abstain mm. from alcohol. You can abstain from marijuana. You can abstain from gambling, sex, you know, sketchy relationships, whatever. You can stop doing mm -hmm. the things. You can stop doing the symptom. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Those things aren't the problem. Those things are the symptom of the problem, right? right? And so if you merely stop, if you merely abstain from the symptom, it does not mean that you have in any measure addressed the underlying problem. All it means is that now you're in the worst possible situation, <laughs> which is you still have the underlying problem, but you no longer get to do the thing that temporarily makes it feel better. So now you're just miserable yeah. all of the time. In AA, we have a, a term for that. It's called being a dry drunk. Yeah, It is when you have not done a single thing to fix the stuff that made you act like that, but you're no longer doing the drinking. Honestly, we would prefer you drink. We really would. Because dry drunks are just fucking miserable. At least yeah. when you're drunk, you're sometimes entertaining. There is nothing entertaining about a dry drunk. Uh, it's just a miserable, uncomfortable human being who doesn't mm, feel comfortable in their own skin, who doesn't mm, know how to be in the world and has not even that one tool left, alcohol, that mm, helped them somehow a little bit deal with it sometimes. Yeah. It's the worst of all possible worlds. Don't do that. And that goes for anything. Like, like if you have a codependency issue in your life. If you have an issue in your life where like you are addicted to a feeling of helplessness. This is something that like I see sometimes, you know, that there are people who have gotten themselves in a situation in their mind like where they feel they feel helpless like they have no control and that lack of control becomes an obsession point for them, almost mm. like a point of pride like I I have no control. I I I can't control anything. I'm so out of control. And yeah. like the lack of control itself becomes the thing that they're obsessed about like yeah. it, there's there are so many situations you can get yourself into in your life where 
you have acknowledged there's a problem and also you're not doing anything about it. And you're just sitting in that right. like purgatory. You're right. in purgatory. You're in this no man's land, this demilitarized zone between the two. And you're just out there in the wind. So, you know, we, we were just talking about the God conversation, right? And it yeah. being sort of an issue of control. Yeah. It strikes me that just stopping doing a behavior like and not actually doing the internal work to become sober is just another control mechanism. Totally. Like it's just like, okay, I know what's best. I'm going to just stop this thing and I'm going to control it. Yeah. It's, it's just doubling down on the controlling tendencies that got you into the trouble in the first place. Yeah. But it's just doing the controlling in a different kind of way. Yeah. You know? I was talking to somebody just like last week, you know, and she was like, and she's like, well, you know, I, I used to have a problem with alcohol, but I quit that. You know, I, I used to be an alcohol. I used to be an alcoholic. First oh. of all, ding, ding, ding. That's an alarm bell. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that could be the next thing on your list to define. Yeah, yeah right. Seriously. Uh, so, you know, she's like, I used to be an alcoholic, but I quit that. It was a long time ago. It was like, yeah. I don't know, a dozen or more years ago, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think she thinks she's fixed. Yeah. But like to observe this person just in casual chat type interactions, yeah, yeah. you know, it's clear that they are so wound around the axle, that they are so not healthy mm -hmm. inside their soul, inside their mind. They've just stopped doing the thing. And so in their mind, like you said, they think they have controlled it, you right, know, and they right. have won. Well, if you won, why are you so miserable? Yeah. Well, All of the time. That's the thing. Like when you get to actual sobriety, there are so many beautiful things that come into your life when you actually work work the steps and get into it and actually get sober. And when I say sober, I, I mean even someone like me who doesn't have an issue with alcohol at all, but uh, but I have sobriety in terms of my codependency. Emotional you know? sobriety. Exactly, emotional yeah. sobriety. So like there are there are there are these beautiful fruits that can come into your life when you actually do that internal work. And if those aren't there and you're just white knuckling it and controlling, you know, how you're controlling things, like, or, or controlling how, you know, you're participating in activities that used to control you. It's just more of the same stuff. It's just more of the same rat wheel, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you're not experiencing those those beautiful things that come with actually doing the work no, you're for not, sobriety. You're not growing. You're just white knuckling. You're yeah. just trying to hang on, you yeah. know, and that's not living really, yeah. you know, what there's is, not a lot of joy in that. I was, I was curious about that question though. Like I used to be an alcoholic. What do you, <laughs> what do you think about that statement? And uh, would you ever, ha you would never describe yourself no. as used to be an alcoholic. I say I am an alcoholic. And why is that? Because it's like living with a chronic disease, mm. you know, uh, like you don't have anybody like who, who used to be, I don't know, celiac. I don't know. Like you, if you have it, you have it forever. You know and what you I mean? And you do what you need to do to treat it and live. And you maintain it on it. an ongoing basis, yes. you know? Mm -hmm. And in the same way, like, again, alcoholism isn't about alcohol, right. you know? Like cocaine addiction isn't about cocaine. It's about feeling like something is wrong inside of you and having found something that temporarily makes you not feel like it's wrong anymore, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, but the thing that's wrong, it's, it's, the, it's, that, it's those character defects. That's what we call, call them, you know? The program, yeah. Yeah, just like, and, and the, like I wear that as a badge of honor. Don't let the word defect mm. make you think like I'm defective. It's not that. It's just the idea that like none of us comes out of the factory exactly perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're built with intolerances, you know? Mm. And like so one of us might be 5% faulty. Like I'm probably more like, you know, 90% faulty. You know what I mean? Oh. Seriously. Like, it's a miracle that I'm here. <laughs> it really is. I really feel that. But, you know. 
I mean, it helps to be present with the idea that the underlying stuff hasn't gone away. They say, so they say, they say a lot of things in A. There's a lot of sayings. They say that we are granted a, a daily reprieve mm -hmm. contingent upon maintenance of our spiritual condition, mm -hmm. right? The idea being that every day, like we don't try to, don't think about tomorrow, don't think about a month from now. Think about today and try to do today as best you possibly can. You know, I mean, obviously you can make long range plans in your life, but in terms of your sobriety, mm -hmm. it's about living in the present. It's not, it's about not future tripping and not dwelling in the past, just living in the present today and trying to do the today vis-a-vis -vis our emotional well-being the mm -hmm. best that we possibly can. And when they say it's contingent upon maintenance of our spiritual condition, what that means is we need to remain always mindful and always active doing the work of keeping ourselves in a healthy spiritual and emotional place yeah. because if we let that slip and if we don't do that and if we start to think about it in the past tense that stuff that's wrong inside of us that you know it, it'll come back it's right, right there it is right there waiting yeah. for us it's yeah. always lurking under the surface yeah and so the question is what are you doing in an active way every single day to make sure that it doesn't like rear its head mm -hmm. up and become dominant inside you again yeah it's not like on june 20th 2004, when you were at that AA meeting, you were thinking, 17 years and four months from now, I'm going to be so <laughs> like you weren't. Yeah. You were you were doing that day what you needed to do that day, and you repeated that every day for the next 17 years and four months, and here you are. Yeah, like it's not like you, you 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 had to do it. You had to do the work on a daily basis to keep yourself on track. And I still do. And you still do. You know, I mean, it's like uh, it's Brene Brown, right, who says uh, the the idea that like I I, I still have like character defects and a problem with alcohol mm. but like they they don't get to ride in the passenger seat and they don't get to play with the radio oh, you know what I mean Liz Gilbert Liz Gilbert there you go <laughs> and I, like they, they ride in the back seat with me now you know what I mean yeah uh, where I can keep an eye on them in the rear view yeah. and like everything it, it's fine like they are always going to be passengers mm. on my journey yeah but like they're not up there like they're not riding shotgun anymore yeah. they're not like co-piloting anymore. Mm -hmm. There's an appropriate hierarchy there where I'm like doing stuff in my life that helps me on a daily basis live in a healthier way. Yeah. And can, the healthier way is when that stuff's in the backseat. Really, can I say something really quickly about the character defect idea? Yes. There's, there, there was part of me when I was in recovery that like that idea of character defect, like that was another like word that was a sticking point for me because mm -hmm. I was trying to get out of a tradition, a religious tradition that had told me for my whole life that I was born sinful and broken and imperfect. Man. And that did a real number on my sense of identity and self-worth, yeah. you know, that, and, 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 and contributed to my codependency. If you want to review that, that's in the origin story episode of the, my origin story. But, you know, so like that idea was actually another one that I had to get my brain wrapped around, you know, cause I, I really do believe that every single one of us born into this world is a perfect miracle. Yeah. Like, honestly, like there is nothing wrong inherently with you. You know, yeah. however, we do live in a place where we are, you know, we are brought up in environments where we get hurt and we develop coping mechanisms and we do like, we are, or we, are, or we inherit societal level coping mechanisms. Oh, that too. Because religion sure. is a coping mechanism. Absolutely. There's so much that we inherit societally. You're absolutely right about it. In our family structures, in our society, in our personal experiences, in the ways in which other people hurt us. And we have to figure out how to mm -hmm. deal with that. Like these are not, Again, these are not things that are our fault. No. But it is our responsibility to deal with them. Yes. 
that is the difference. Like, so and that's not fair. And like we recognize that, right? And right. I think a lot of people get hung up on this. Well, that's not fair. I didn't choose this, so I'm not going to deal with it. Fuck you, you well, know. The, and you see people yeah, living in that kind of resentment, so true. that sort of unproductive resentment. And it's right. We each get handed a, a bad situation a lot of the time. Sandwich. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, but then. You know, it's ours to figure out how to deal with. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's not, it's true. It's not fair, you know, but it, it's not a question of that. Like dwelling on whether it's fair that we have to deal with traumas that someone yeah. else gave us, it's utterly beside the point. It's yeah. just, it just is. It's just mm. here and you can either choose to deal with it and live a happier life or not deal with it and mm. live a less happy life. It's very binary, mm-hmm. you know? And the great news about 12-step recovery is it gives you a map to figuring out how to deal with it. Because like if you're just telling someone, you got to just deal with it, well, how? What am I? What am I supposed to do? You know, like yeah. this is this is an avenue where, like, you and I have experienced. Oh, actually, here's how you do it. It's these steps. This is how you can deal yeah. with it. Oh, look at that! I can actually do something about this. Yeah. Thing. yeah. And you know, uh, yes, you're absolutely right about that. So, uh, and the, like the third definition I want to talk mm. about here um, is sobriety, right? Oh, yes. So abstinence is just not doing the symptom, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's just not drinking, Mm -hmm. but really not doing anything else about it. Mm -hmm. Sobriety is, and and we use the term sobriety and recovery kind of interchangeably around here. Because like sobriety doesn't really necessarily have as much relevance to someone who didn't deal with an addictive kind of thing. Mm. Like a gambler wouldn't say they're sober intuitively, you know what I mean? Mm. A a codependent wouldn't say they're sober, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You think about like a, a drunk like me, you know, Sober, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah. I got sober. But really, recovery is kind of the synonym that's more broadly applicable. Yeah. And recovery is the idea that not only have you stopped doing the symptomatic, problematic behavior. For me, that was drinking. For Shannon, it was jerking other people around. For our, <laughs> for a friend of ours uh, who has a gambling problem, it's, it's gambling. You know what I mean? It's casinos, whatever. Um, that is a precondition like you've got to do that first. Yeah. Like you can't be in recovery and also still be drinking. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Because you're still doing the thing that just screws you all up. Yeah. Uh, but once you stop that, then you have an opportunity to engage in recovery slash sobriety. Yeah. And that it, that is the systematic, like, like un, unearthing, mm-hmm. you know? It's the excavation. It's going down and digging through and figuring out what actually is at the root of it all, what are your underlying causes and conditions? It's they call them sur- causes and conditions. Surgery on the tumor that has been growing in you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to find it and then yeah. seeing if you can get it out of you. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's it's very, 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 very different, you know? Because if you're just talking about being absent, if you're just talking about like, well, I quit drinking, but you didn't do anything about any of the rest of the stuff that I just described, mm. like you don't do any of that excavation, you don't dig down inside you, you don't figure out what the causes and conditions are and figure out how to unburden yourself of them, then they're just still in there being tumorous. And frankly, you're probably, if you're, even if you're not drinking, you're probably, you have probably found another way to ease the pain of that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably just transferred that addictive behavior into another area of your life. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, for people who do the abstinence route, oftentimes that uh, substitution is uh, anger, oh, you know? Oh, yeah. And and you see that. And, like, that when I say dry drunks are miserable, because yeah. it's often because they're angry, yeah. you know? Like, you take a person who was kind of jovial when they were drinking, you know, and you mm-hmm. take the drink away, and now they're furious. Yeah. Like they're just a, a, a bundle of unaddressed fear and resentment. Mm-hmm. And that's not 
a healthier, fun way to live. Mm-hmm. That's not good, you know? But the excavation's where it's at. That's excavation's where it's at. Yeah, totally. So that's why I just wanted to take this like little episode today and just, I, I just wanted to cover just some definitional kind of mm. stuff because like this foundational definitional stuff I think is going to set us up really well for talking about that transition period, mm-hmm. you know, that fulcrum, that, that mm-hmm. shift from not sober to sober. And, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll dig into that next week. So we'll get to know a little bit more about like what that excavation actually looked like for I'll, you. I'm going to talk about it procedurally okay. next week. Great. You know, like I really just want to go through each of the steps in the 12 oh, steps. great. And just talk a little bit about, practically speaking, what each of them kind of meant for me awesome. in terms of my process in unburdening myself of all of this stuff I was carrying. Let's definitely do that next week. Let's, yep. let's like, I have more stuff I want to share about my story, but let's punt Sure. on that because I think that I would really love to get into that Yeah, no. sooner than later. No, I think it'll be good. So, uh, yeah, people stay tuned for our uh, ongoing sobriety odyssey. <laughs> if you would like to support our work, you can do that at misfitstars.com slash support. Thank you in advance. We're grateful for it. We could always use the help and we're grateful for you. Thank you. Ongoing sobriety odyssey is kind of the definition of being in recovery. Yeah. <laughs> like It is an ongoing odyssey. Yeah. It will be till the day we die. Mm-hmm. Up top, high five. Right on. Love this life. All right, people. So uh, that is about it. We hope this finds you well. We're grateful to you for coming on this journey with us. We will be back again next week with more goodies from Jamie. Woo-hoo. And going through the steps. That's going to be great. Um, uh, until then, please uh, take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love you all. We'll see you soon. See ya. Bye.